You were living your life, climbing the ladder and carving out a career for yourself. You had big plans and big ideas. And then you had a baby and everything changed. Just like that. All of it came to a screeching halt. Maybe you kept working or maybe you stayed home. Either way, your world suddenly became very small. And though you were never alone, you were always lonely. You silently asked yourself, where did I go? Who is that tired looking woman staring back at me in the mirror? Until you remembered something very important. You aren't just a mother. You are a mother plus artist, a mother plus entrepreneur, a mother plus musician, a mother plus yogi. You can have an identity outside of motherhood. My name is Stacy Hudson. I'm a mother to two under four, plus writer, certified health coach, aspiring entrepreneur, and athlete. My name is Stephanie Springer. I'm a mother to 10 and 15-year-old girls, plus writer, music therapist, producer, singer, and teacher. Here, we will interview mom bosses, entrepreneurs, artists, athletes, and passionate hobbyists and talk about how to find the thing that lights you up again. You're in there. We know it. You just have to find her again. Welcome Welcome to to the the Mother Mother Plus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast, everybody. I'm Stephanie Springer. I am here with two people that I adore, my co-host, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hi, everybody. And a woman that I consider a mentor and an inspiration, and I'm going to try not to gush, but we have Anne Imig with us today. Hi, Anne. Oh my gosh. Hi. I suspect that a lot of our listeners will already recognize your name, but for those who don't, Anne Imig is the founder of Listen to Your Mother, the live storytelling show, as well as the book. She has inspired thousands of of mothers and writers across the country. Um, I can't wait for her to talk to you a little bit about that process. And she currently is doing life coaching at Listen Life Coaching. She truly is a connector of people and an inspiration to so many. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much. I'm, thank you. I'm really excited to connect with both of you today. We are too. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Big deal. It's a big deal. We're we're keeping the fan growing to a minimum, but we can't, we can't make any promises. So no, really, I just, you are so humble. I I, (laughs) like genuinely like what, but seriously, you have, I told Steph, this is the first time my palms have been sweaty before. Oh my God. If you just know that I just live my life in my little office with cat litter all over the floor. Listen to mother all over my floor. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it feels like a dream that I don't even know if that actually happened. Like you know, I mean, so I just look forward to. I love sitting down and connecting with other women in this format. So I'm just let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. All right. So this is the Mother Plus podcast. So we always like to start with the mother part. Can you tell us about your family and then also where you live? Sure. I have two high school sons, a freshman and a senior, and I live in Madison, Wisconsin. And I have a husband who, (laughs) not an afterthought. Um, And we've been together for, I don't know, 25, 26 years or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Um, And I can't believe how old your kids are. Whenever I see you you post pictures of them, I'm like, this is just, I know. Yeah. So we've got a whole Midwest. (laughs) triangle here. I'm from Illinois. You're from, you're in Wisconsin. Steph's from Iowa. Yep. I know. Illinois are you? I'm in Colorado now, but I'm from originally from Arlington Heights, Palatine area. Okay. So we lived in Chicago for 10 years and my husband's from Springfield and we met in Colorado. So there you you go. I forgot. I forgot. I always forget that you met in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Midwesterners. We're all connected. Yeah. So, okay. And you were pretty rock star famous for creating, listen to your mother, but I want to go back before then tell us about your blog Anne's rants and when you began writing and maybe even why you began writing. Mm, sure. Um, I had really, really strong writing programs in high school and even in my theater program in college. So that's sort of the foundation of, um, writing. I never, considered writing as a profession or even a hobby, although I journaled forever um, as a young person. Um, And 
now looking back, it's funny because I did a brief stint in ad sales and my manager used to be like, wow, what is going on with Anne's ads, her sales letters? Like I just threw myself (laughs) and I, you know, now looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was really finding ways to be creative with words before I was even thinking about it. But um, when my kids were little, my husband traveled constantly for work and it was really intense winter after winter of like six months, Wisconsin winters and flu seasons. And you know, we moved back to Wisconsin to be near my family. So I had a lot of support, but none of that matters at like 3am when you've got, you know, a baby who's been sick all over the crib sheet and a toddler who's crying, who's in a mess in their bed, you know, and that was just life. Um, And I dealt with it by, you know, so many people share the story. Like I would amuse myself by sharing like the funny parts or the miserable parts that became funny via email. And then somebody mentioned a blog and I didn't know what that was. And, um, but I, I decided that seems like a lot more organized than just, you know, bombing people's emails with my rants. So in 2008, I started blogging and, um, I just had no idea at first I was just, you know, writing for myself and I didn't know about the community of creative people online. And I think I even resisted it because, you know, that's when you have 15 minutes in these frenetic spurts to do something. And it's either like shower, nap for 10 minutes, clean up the milk on the floor or like fire something off on the internet. And so, um, the community part was this revelation to me. And what it did is it reconnected me with creativity. And I had studied acting. I'd met my husband at a theater and I thought that part of my life was done. And it's like, it reconnected me with an audience and performing, but then there was this whole other level of story sharing and um, people supporting each other through whatever they were going through. And I had just gotten a master's in social work at the time. So that level of it was very moving to me, the bearing witness and giving voice, a platform for doing that. Um, The performer in me loved like being funny on Twitter and having people respond and communicate with me. And then the electrifying feeling of finding all these other writers I loved and my ambition kicked in really, really hard, which actually became quite difficult to manage, but that's sort of the beginning of the story. Oh, I love that you started with sending emails. I, that's how Glennon Doyle did too. I didn't know that till I was listening to one of her podcast episodes. And it's like, cause you really were kind of on the cutting edge of blogging. Like 2008 is pretty, I mean, you were definitely ahead of the curve on that. So I think it's really interesting to listen to that organic beginning that it, you know, was sort of birthed out of this need to express and. Absolutely. Yeah. And just the thrill that no matter when I had that moment, or if I was up in the middle of the night and alone, there was always somebody around, like there was always, or there was always another blog post to read and the way it would work for people who aren't familiar with this is like you would write whatever you had to say and then people would comment. But not only, it wasn't like social media comments, first of all, like rarely was there anything but support and interested, curious, kind people, but then you'd click over and see what they had written and you could just go on this endless rabbit hole of reading about people's lives and many of them who were going through something similar to what you were going through. I I miss that era of blogging and I got into it later in 2012, but like you said, you could spend hours reading and commenting and the comments, like you said, aren't like on Facebook, they're thoughtful, they're in depth. It felt like a lifeline, you know, it was a lifeline and social media existed, but it hadn't really kicked off yet. So that was just like a whole other, it wasn't like you'd get on your phone. Like now, first of all, I had a Nokia at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a smartphone yet, but it's not like you would like get kicked off and into Instagram and be shopping suddenly. Like uh-huh. you were just focused on what you were doing. Um, and it wasn't just moms. Like that was what was so earth shattering about it. It's like, there were, you know, wellness, there were people blogging about everything you could imagine and finding community around those things. So like parenting was a huge part of it, but it could have been about infertility. It could have been about loss. It could have been about, um, adoption. It could have been about raising special needs kids. It could have been about childhood, like, you know, surviving survivors. Like, 
Uh, it could, and then I, I really loved reading humor. So like whatever you were into, I used to describe it as like this big bookstore where you'd like find your section. I love that. If you could dive into a little bit more of maybe your struggles with motherhood, going back to when your children were little, especially having a husband who traveled a lot. Cause I relate to that. My husband travels a lot and I have a two and a four year old. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> did you lose, lose yourself for a little bit during yeah. that time? Yeah, like I mean, about finding yourself through essentially through the internet, but yeah, like where, where what was the time that leading up to it? You had babies, your husband's gone. Yeah, and were you working too? Uh-uh. Person. No, I was not. I was staying at home, and I think there was a shock to my system that, as somebody who has had a meandering path career-wise. The one thing I always knew is that I wanted to be a mom, like ever since I was a little girl. And I thought that was going to be the answer to everything for the rest of my life. I thought that would just be like, at least that part of me that's like, what am I supposed to do with myself and my life? I thought that was like going to be resolved and over and um, realizing, <laughs> realizing that was only going to be a piece of my story was, um, shocking. And I don't, I don't know if I would have said I lost myself because I was so, I was so happy to be a mom. I was so exhausted. It was hard times for our marriage because my husband would come home the weekends and I just wanted to run out the door. And then there'd just be so much pressure on those couple days for reconnecting me, getting a break. And things never working out. There never being enough hours and everyone being so tired. So yeah, I think I was lost and found all at the same time, but really I didn't have time for any existential bigger picture thoughts. I was so chasing after these kids and just sleep deprived and getting through it. And the way, the way that I did early motherhood is I was just out the door constantly and I would exhaust myself, but I did not spend full days inside isolated with my kids. That was terrible for my mental health. And my goodness, that is so top of mind for me with this pandemic that we've been through and all these new moms and just how other moms and play dates and mom and baby groups and dad and neighborhood parent stuff was a lifeline for me and how, what a huge loss that must have been um, for you being at home during this time. Yes, definitely. Cause I, my first who's four. I was the same way as you. I could not spend a day inside. The only time I did it was when it was snowstorming and there was no other option yeah. other than that. It was every day there was a lesson or the playground or story time at the library. We were always, yep. and I was the same way. That was for my mental health, not for hers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I had my second in 2020 and it was a totally different story and <sighs> so different. Yeah. It was so different and, and definitely harder. Mm -hmm. And my body reacted like so I wasn't aware, like I said, I, I don't think I was, it's, you know, it's like, you really don't remember as much as it's like, you're so in it right now. And I, I wrote all about things. I remember it really fondly now, as much as I know it was so difficult. Um, and, and I really relate to like our parents who are like, I don't know how I did that. Um, I don't know how I, how you are doing that. I don't know how I did that. But my body took a toll on my body. Like I had terrible sciatica to the point where like I couldn't, I could barely walk. Like, and I got, eventually this all kind of became a crisis I couldn't ignore anymore. And I got treatment and I got through it. But it was from all of this stress and rage and like frustration that parenthood is and you don't have any place to put it. Some people, you know, put it on their spouse or put it on their kids or put it on wherever, but mine just went internal and I just became more and more rigid. And all that muscle tension just like, you know, resulted in injuries. And I mean, I learned a lot from that, but you know, it's something I had to go through. A couple of guests on our podcast, the bulk of their motherhood experience has been during the pandemic or some who even became parents for the first time or like right on the heels. And it's, it's brutal to listen to, um, the isolation and, and not being able to have all of that enrichment stuff. So it's, it's been a sobering perspective to listen to for sure. 
Yeah, so, you just add it into that big file of what we don't even understand yet, like the implications. Right. Um, and those are positive and negative. Like, I mean, it's easy to just go really dark really quick because the negative stuff is so profound, but there will be also, there will be some, some silver linings um, for that time too. Um, it's just, it's just it's been so devastating that that's top of the heap for sure. Yeah. We don't have the perspective yet. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's dive into listen to your mother a little bit. Um, when did you come up with the idea for listen to your mother and what, what did the beginning of that journey look like for you? It happened really quickly. I had been to blog her, the big blogging mm -hmm. conference at the time in, um, 2009, I think it was. Yeah. And, um, they had an event, a community keynote event, which turned into Voices of the Year, where bloggers just got up. You know, it was a process to become selected. There weren't auditions, but you submitted your writing. It was very competitive. And very. then there was like a, there was like a dozen or so people who got selected and they just read their writing at a podium. No, no lights, no, no sets no memorization, just people reading. And I listened to this and I was so struck every part of me, like the social worker, like I already mentioned, like giving voice to these often very painful moving, um, pieces of their lives. Um, and the whole audience, you could just feel this incredible support in the room, hilariously funny. Um, the theater person in me was like, I can't believe how powerful this is. And it's so simple. And these people have no, many of these people have never done any public speaking before. Um, and as a performer, I had always like been, you know, like David Sedaris, writers reading their writing aloud always appealed to me personally. And I think the way I wrote a lot of it was impacted by my past in theater timing. And um, so the, the event made a mark on me for sure. And that was, um, I think in the summer and then it was probably February the following year. And I just like, I just started thinking about, I want to do that. I had lived in Chicago for 10 years. I had been in advertising huge, you know, having to manage million dollar budgets with like fancy clients. So like being back in Madison, everything felt really easy and doable. And so I just came up with this idea one day of, I want to do something like Voices of the Year, but what I want is I want my community to get to experience what I'm getting to experience at like blog her and at mm -hmm. through blogging, because right. at the time I had a total division of my online life and my real life. They were completely separate. Very few people even knew I had a blog, you know, in my. Really? In my, really? At the time. Wow. Um, it wasn't keeping, it's not that it was like private. It's just, I didn't even have school age kids yet. So, you know, my friends and my family knew, but, um, there was just no reason that anyone would know that Madison didn't have like blog parent bloggers at the time, except for me and my friend, Amy Windsor, um, who I met because of blogging. Um, but so I remember talking to my, you know, back then again, like I talked on the phone all the time because, that was when I wasn't at a play date, you know, I'd be commiserating with another friend at home with their kids. And I, but a lot of times it was just trading voicemails back and forth. Cause you were like wiping <laughs> someone's butt or like you were, you know, <laughs> cleaning up whatever spell. And I just remember saying like, I want to do this. And I think the name of it. So my marketing brain from sales was like, okay, wait, mother's Day's coming up. And at the time I felt like Mother's Day deserves more than a brunch. Like this is not just about a gift. Like I wanted our community to come together and I wanted it to be a diverse cross-section of people. Like we all, I felt, I think because of blogging, like we all have this in common, whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, you had a mom, you had somebody, like everyone has a story around motherhood. This is something that can bring people together. So that was like the seed. And then I just started picking up the phone because I was used to that. And Madison was so easy compared to Chicago. Mm. And by Mother's Day that year, I had a show at the Barrymore Theater with 300 people mm. in the audience and a front page mm. photo on the newspaper the next day. So freaking cool. 
That's so cool. So that's how it began. So cool. It was so moving. And I, I did it like that show, the people in the audience were like, Oh my God. Like, cause they weren't, they weren't experienced what you and I, and Stacey, you know, I don't know if you blog too, but like eventually, you know, I know what am I even talking about? Like that moment's over, but they were blown away and they were like, felt seen and they were talking about what they would want to say. And I didn't even know. I mean, I saw, I saw it growing. Like I imagined it, but I didn't know that like I would start getting emails from bloggers right away saying, I want to do this. And that's how it began to grow so quickly. It was revolutionary. I have chills right now. Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I was a seed of an idea and you yeah. made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was so easy if you keep things simple um, and really just let the stories be the, the, the star. Mm. It's really not hard to do something like this. Right. So <laughs> I don't know how much backstory, you know, about my experience with listen to your mother, obviously, you know, Stephanie's, but it's, it was hugely impactful for me. Um, I moved to Colorado three years ago and in my first year here, I attended because Stephanie was my daughter's music teacher and told us about it. And it, it changed, it changed my motherhood. And I, I said that in our last listen to your mother episode, but it was the best experience. It was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. Everything you've said up until this point about your motherhood, it, it feels like you're talking about my life. Mm, <laughs> so, I love it was that. So wonderful. And so, and then since then I've, I've, uh, auditioned for the show and been cast and it's been just an, it's been an incredible experience for me. And I know for everybody involved, it's just this like beautiful community. So you've influenced and touched so many of us, including me, mm. um, mothers out there. Um, can you tell us what the listen to your mother community has meant to you? Oh my gosh. I just feel so moved by what you're saying. And it's was such a phenomenon the, the good things in life are hard to take in. And um, especially when you're running full steam ahead with it. So um, I can't really take it in until the small moments like this, where we can like connect one-on-one -on -one and I can, I just feel so much gratitude for all the people who helped this happen because no one was making money or making much money. Some people made, you know, a little money. Um, but what we did was so much bigger than anything anybody could have imagined. And it reached so many more people, but I have learned so much. Like I feel so grateful for the wide range of stories and humans who shared their stories. Cause there are things that listen to your mother was kind of on the forefront. Like when I think of like trans children and trans people, like that was my introduction. What a wonderful introduction. And, um, it gave me resources. So as I'm like trying to make this opportunity happen and, and watch, it really was a leadership incubator as well. So there's all these different levels at which listen to your mother affected people. There were the people in the audience who never even told the story, but got to hear people talk about mental illness and got to hear people talk about infertility and got to hear people talk about, you know, every issue, bereavement, uh, hilarious stories where they saw themselves and they finally felt like, like such a release of like shame or just felt, you know, just seeing like, okay, this isn't just me, you know? Yep. Um, and then the women who put on the shows, a lot of them had never done any sort of event planning or directing. I barely had myself and just watching people figure it out and then do the show and that thrill. And then people went on to new careers. Some people ran for public office, some people, you know, it's, it's still kind of like we're talking about COVID it's, it's still unfurling in my life and in my mind. And so gratitude's the number one feeling about it. Um, humility and I wasn't a person who I am a very ambitious person, but I never felt like I need a legacy in this world. Like I feel like that about having children and I yet, and I'm really grateful for the timing because I don't think the project could look the same now, given how divided everything is. 
Um, I think it's more important than ever to go to the show, but in terms of the way we did it and the way we delivered it, I'm not sure if, right. if it would, if it could, there's been a lot of trust broken. Um, and already, you know, what is such a shaky balance in this country? Um, and we really pushed a lot of progressive, um, yes, agendas in terms of consciously seeking out diversity and really trying to take out some of the white supremacist structure of theater and, 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 you know, and it was a work in progress. Like even the word audition was like not the right word in a lot of communities and, um, trying to get, not have this be all white 30 something women. Yeah. Uh, that's not the kind of project I was ever interested in doing from the beginning. Um, and we were, you know, to varying degrees, we, we made some progress there. And I think that, um, people who do the show, you know, I, I hope and trust that, that they are carrying out that vision to the best of their, to varying degrees. What's striking to me, and I had never thought about that perspective of what would it be like to, to have this idea happen in 2022 instead of what 2010 was your first one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying and how different it would be and maybe not even possible. But I think what's interesting is the first year you did it, it was such a revolutionary experience for the speakers, for you and for the audience. And what I think is amazing is that hasn't changed. Like fast forward eight years when Stacy went to her first show and she still had that exact same, oh my God, this has blown the top off of my motherhood. And, you know, when, when we have a show at the Boulder theater in two months, I know there will be people in that show and in that audience who feel that exact same. I've never experienced anything like that. And I think that's striking that 12 years later, living in the world that we live in and, and with, um, you know, the era of blogging, which has maybe come and gone and social media, that still the act of sitting together in a group and listening to people read their stories is still so impactful. You know? And that's like, I think it, what you're talking about, we used to talk about things being hyper local. And I think that's why it works are the people. So listen to your mother is now a licensed theatrical production, which means that anyone who wants can do the show can license it. Um, and like they would, if you want to do cats, I always use cats. If you want to do, <laughs> you know, a Christmas carol, whatever, it's the same process. And um, so I think the piece that would be difficult, like, is the structure of me being in charge, me like trying to, um, it got really tricky trying to keep some semblance of cohesion among <laughs> What, what do we have like 42 cities yeah. at like within two months or something insane. Right. Um, I think that's the part that would have been really hard in this day and age. And Absolutely. also like, I remember, you know, when I had to get insurance um, and not just like your regular malpractice insurance that you'd have or your business insurance for your own little business, but like on a national level. And I remember them like saying like, do you want to add the terrorism waiver? And back then I was like, eh. and like now, like you would need the terror, like just, yeah. And just the way, like the way COVID took everything down, it took the arts down. I'm so glad that people got to handle that in their own way, appropriate to their, like, we see how conditions change so much from county to county. Yeah. And so I absolutely agree with you. Like the show is more impactful than ever. And I'm very glad that each tiny, you know, locale that is doing it can do it in the way that they need to, when they need to, according to their best hyper-local need. Right. And hopefully for those of us who have, have continued throughout that process, we still hold you at the heart of it. We still ask each other, what would Anne think of this? Or oh. like, it, it's just, it's a, it's a central guiding force when we make any of our decisions about the show. And I would hope that the, the programs that have continued and haven't just cropped up in the last few years, I would suspect that all of those production teams still hold you at their core, you know? I think it's just inherent in the project. 
you know, storytelling is as old as time. Motherhood is as old as time. And um, I think it's just built in. I think, you know, a lot of people who are doing it now have no connection to me. And um, that's how it should be. I mean, not that they can't connect to me. Like, no, I know. And, and I'm, that is, that is a like larger than life, generous, uh, like that's like raising your children and then letting them go. Like that's, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's, a, that's do, amazing like, of you. How after, are you not like, they must do like, this is, oh, you're, it's no. Cause you know what you realize as you know, with a child who's about to walk out the door is that, um, he is fully an adult and I mean, obviously at 18, you're not fully an adult, but I really see, I really see the adulthood in my kid now. And I've really had to adjust my own approach to like letting him, like, you can't fix everything. And like, you have to like being an adult right now is so stressful. And like, I can't protect him from that anymore. Now in a positive way about listen to your mother, where I'm going with this is that I made my own mistakes and I knew and thought I knew what listen to your mother was, but I'm still learning. And I've learned a lot from other people who've done the show. So like, I am not, this idea came from me, but it was such a collaboration. You know, I had Deb Rogers and Taya Dunn Johnson and Melissa Wells and Stephanie Precourt on the national team with me. But then everybody who did the show, like something new would always come up. And like, you know, we made decisions in quick succession, but that's not to say like, we always made the right decision. Like, so there is, there's, there's an expertise and then there's not, and, um, things change and evolve. And, um, I don't know, I'm really into being a student and the humility that curiosity and just not knowing afford. Yeah. As we talk, this is kind of the perfect segue as we talk about your kids and my kids uh, getting older and different eras of life. I, as a 43 year old, love the concept of like second acts in midlife. And that's something where you've been so incredibly versatile and creative in your post listen to your mother life. Can you tell those who don't know about what your next step was? Because I found it to be so inspiring and you know what I'm talking about I like right? I, I like with the one woman show yeah like I know I was like oh maybe it's not obvious because she has done so much stuff but no the one woman show I was like oh so bold it was so uh, innovative it was so it was I would, and I like wouldn't do it again it was just a moment of so after listen to your mother was about me reclaiming my own creative ambitions um which definitely got sidelined um, my writing was starting to take off and I definitely had to choose, listen to your mother. Um, and so, you know, I'm putting, and putting, listen to your mother to bed to where it is now was just about like the thing that fueled me in the little kid years, all of a sudden I was just like, (laughs) I like to describe it this way. I used to say motherhood deserves more than brunch for mother's day. And then all of a sudden I was like, I really just want brunch on mother's day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no like really like, and truly hundred so percent like it was a wild amazing ride and I just wanted to focus on my family and myself again yeah. I really miss yep. the community like the greater community and I miss the way I was in my own local community I really miss that and I honor the seasons of life and my seasons had turned um so I ended so I was a musical theater person that's how I met my husband and then I didn't sing for 20 years, except for to my kids. Like I just burnt out. Like I met my husband at a theater. We moved to Chicago. I did like half a dozen shows and the like grind just, I was like, I am done with this. I just want to hang out with my boyfriend and I want to be a mom. And that, like I said, that's going to solve my problems forever. I'm going to be a mom. I'm never going to have any other wants or needs. Ha ha ha. (laughs) So then, um, listen to your mother reading my writing it was such a thrill and I thought I would never want to get on stage again I, I, I it was just shocking when it was in 20 2018 I um I just had this idea of I, I was missing singing and I, unfortunately I don't play instruments like you do Stephanie I and I don't 
I can't sing anything. It just sucks. Like the singers who are coming up now, they know how to sing every genre. Amazing. Like I know how to sing musical theater and not the belting pop musical theater either. Like I know how to sing one thing. Okay. And, um, and I missed that. I missed that. And so I started just singing again, but what I was so struck with and I was so moved by is all the songs that I used to love had a completely new meaning, meaning to me. Mm-hmm. And they all mirrored with so much of what I was writing about. So I just did this fun thing and I did it as a one night fundraiser where I paired songs from the musical theater canon, like modern musical theater canon with my writing. Um, and, and it was such a fun thing to put together because it was it came together effortlessly. I made money for Moms Demand Action. It was a thrill. And then I started to get back into voice lesson and try to get into theater locally. And boy, was that humbling. <laughs> oh. um, and I'm still trying. I'm supposed to start a musical theater um, showcase tomorrow. Um, but my whole feeling about it, letting go of ambition, I can't stress enough how freeing it is. And I see you singing with your kids and just making music a part of your day-to-day life. And that's just like editing the podcast. That's where joy really is. That's the best thing for your well-being. Those high highs in life, that's not where, that's not the crux of your well-being. I mean, this is a whole other thing. This could no, be but another this, hour. But this is huge because yeah. it's sort of like, it's sort of like the ordinary versus the extraordinary. Yes. And Extraordin- once again, it takes a crisis for me to, I have to learn this lesson over and over again. So in 2020, oh God, the years are so confusing now. So I had, I had written a novel like around the listen to your mother time. And I just never, I never like got an agent. I just, I, I, whatever I no, I did whatever. Anyway, I wrote another novel and it, it went, it, it like went much farther than it had before. Cause I had an agent because of the listen to your mother book and she liked the book and she sent it out to publishers. And I'm like, I was just like, I could see my future. And I was, cause you have to believe it to like get that far. Right. Yeah. And this was during the pandemic. This was like 2020, I guess. Yeah. And it didn't sell. And I was devastated. I was in despair and I called on my own coach. I called on my own therapist. It was so painful. And it was just like, my therapist said, you know, and I had talked to my career coach who had a client who went through this positive psychology coaching program. And she and I had talked about my coaching over the years anyway. Uh, I mean, one hilarious thing is when I was like 25, I I have an amazing um, career coach named Robin Shearer. She's in her eighties now. She's still practicing Oak Park, Illinois. My husband and I both, she changed our lives. But anyway, when I was like 27, I'm like, I think I'm going to be a life coach. And she like, in the most loving way, was like, you are going to need to like live your life a little bit before you can coach other people to live your life. (laughs) A smart woman. But instead I went and got educated, got a master's degree in um, social work, never became that therapist. But anyway, how I became a life coach now is that I thought I was going to become a therapist. Like I meant to before I listened to your mother. And it just was not for a whole variety of reasons. It just was not, I was so behind. It wasn't speaking to me. It wasn't. And what I needed was positive psychology coaching for myself, these evidence-based neuroscientific tools to lift my own mood. And what you learn, what all this research points to are these high highs in life or low lows, whether it's changing a job, getting married or divorced, having a, you know, a book deal. Um, those are these very tiny situation of life things that we over focus on for our well-being when in fact it is the day-to-day life. And like mm-hmm. half of our mood, we inherit, but there's this large mm-hmm. portion of your well-being pie that you can improve. And it's changed my life. I will always need these tools. I'm not like, and now I am happy. (laughs) Right, 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 right. I'm not a happy-go-lucky person, (laughs) Um, but I am more peaceful. I finally understand self-compassion and I know how to deliver it to myself, uh, which I never knew before. And coaching other people one-on-one fills me with zest, positive energy. Yeah. So it's in these micro moments, it's loving, it's loving editing the podcast that is going to keep you, you afloat 
more so than that one day that you hit that magic podcast number. Right. I think Stacy and I both could probably stand to reflect on that benefit of letting go of your ambition, which isn't the same as becoming a lazy slacker who no. has, it's, it's not a, but, but that I, it's a very nuanced thing, but if you get it, you get it right. Well, like, it's not a destination. I am an ambitious person. Like I will probably want to have another book. I will probably start speaking again at some point, or maybe I won't, I don't know, but it's just having these tools and knowing your strengths and what gives you ease in life and realizing like Mm. those ambitious parts of me do not lead me to ease. They Mm. often lead me to despair, sometimes to elation, but you know what? Elation is still anxiety. It feels very similar. (laughs) Well, it it feels a little manic sometimes. It's like how your body doesn't know the difference between the stress of something bad and the like Disney vacation tomorrow. Your body is still like, ah, it's, it's a moment. And then all the research shows like for better and for worse, we come back to our baseline. So if you're grieving and you feel like you will never be you again, you will return to your baseline. And that's really good news when you can't get out of bed to know that your life will be changed forever, but you will be able to have a life worth living and a meaningful life. If you're flying high with success, you're also going to wake up very soon with being the same you that you were before. So figuring out how to love that you mm-hmm. and how to like have tools to pick yourself up and boost your mood like a teeny bit. I don't mean like toxic positivity. I mean, being like, I feel lonely today and like, oh, oh, and yeah, you feel lonely instead of skipping right to like, I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to fix it. You know, I mean, right. so, okay. So Andre DeShields is this Tony award-winning actor, famous recently for Town. He won his first Tonys in his 70s. And in his acceptance speech, um, this went viral, his keys for longevity. And this is positive psychology in a nutshell. And I have it on my wall. And it just, I have to say it because it answers your question also that you sent me about people being afraid of, you know, taking the next step in life. And it just surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when they see you coming. Slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So keep climbing. Mm. I have that right where I can see it across from my desk every day. I love that. I know. (laughs) I heard heard somebody put it once as we keep looking at ourselves as a product to be finished and it will never be finished. It's like, trying to accomplish something all the time rather than just being, you know, human beings. So, and that's not where love is. That's yeah. accomplishments are not where love is. And love is not even in romantic love. Like that's not where we get, there's this amazing book, love 2.0 by Barbara Fredrickson. And I have lit up in my, in my office right now, positivity resonance. What is a miracle is the little tiny positive connections we have with people every day and they can be strangers. You don't have to be married. You don't have to have a boyfriend. You don't have to have a girlfriend. You can just share a moment with somebody, a stranger, a student, a child, and then you can hold on to it for a minute. And what that does in your brain is incredibly worthwhile, more so than what you're going to have on a date. You know what my daughter, my teenager always says about me, and she says it to be sort of cheeky, but also not, um, you want to make platonic soulmates with everyone you meet mm. because she see like, I can't yes. help. I like, and I'm not yes. going to like find them on Facebook or ask for their number. It's, it's yeah. a moment. It's platonic it's moment. soulmates for a moment, but yes, yeah. but I love that about life. Yes. All right. And can you take us back to the beginning of when you started your coaching business? I know you, you t- talked about it a little bit, but you weren't ready for it. Tell us when you were ready for it. And what okay. Happened. So I just started in August. Oh. It's brand new. Yeah. Yeah. New. And tell um, us again. Listen, lifecoaching.com. Love it. Um, and I have a newsletter called the five minute mood lift and so great. every week or two, <laughs> there's no regular schedule. I'll do a quick guided meditation or share a tool that I'm just like, take five minutes and I'll help you improve your mood. Like a little bit. It's all about like a little bit, 
that's all it, you just need a little bit. So I became ready because I, my children are growing up really fast and I know I really can't, I really can't put it into words how profound this transition is and long you're anticipating it. You know, my son hasn't even graduated yet. The whole college application process, if your child goes that route is so much more difficult and intensive, even with the most like scholarly child, it's just a lot. And I just knew like emotionally, I'm going to have a lot to go through that. I don't also not want to have this career part of me situated. In other words, I need to be able to fall into something where I feel self-efficacy and where I feel like worth, you know, actualized. And I have something going on besides just grieving my children doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Like I also very, 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 I love seeing my children grow up and become adults. That's what's supposed to happen. That's your dream. If you do it, you know, if you're, if you're lucky and, um, So I knew I needed to get that sorted. I thought I was going to finally become this therapist and I was doing, I had loads of continuing education credits I needed to do to get relicensed. And then even after that, I would need to get two more years and pay for supervision, making next to nothing. You can even hear in my voice, the way my sentences are going down and my physicality is going down. Like it just was not working for me. And I took, I started with one class through whole being Institute. Um, They have, you can get a certification in positive psychology and you can get one in coaching, but I just took like the first kind of coaching fundamentals class. And right away from the minute I cracked open the books, it was speaking to exactly what I needed for myself. And I decided if I was going to go into the coaching space, I wanted to have, like, I had my experience to rest on coaching women through listen to your mother, having a master's in social work, but I wanted for myself a specific um, evidence-based framework that I, and tools. So positive psychology spoke to that. And I just, my energy started to lift and I already had a business. So like the coaching business part, like establishing a new business can be a real um, stumbling block for some people, but I, that was part was already sorted. So the biggest surprise was that I imagined myself trying to get business from strangers and that, and that while that is happening, so many of my clients are coming through the listen to your mother channels and it makes sense, right? Like we're all transitioning. Mm-hmm. Many of us have kids who've gotten older. Um, so it's this beautiful thing where I feel like there's been some trust established through the internet sort of community over the years. This also speaks to, um, so where I want to go with this is knowing your why of why you're doing things when you get scared it's just like what we tell people before they go on stage for listen to your mother like don't worry about your cadence don't worry about whether they laugh like just think about why you're doing this and the message that you have for people that's the advice i would also have for people who are ready to do something but they're afraid like just remember why you're doing it and what you have to offer we all have something to offer um and keep that as your guiding light I think that's wonderful advice when, when you personally have gotten stuck, whether it's like launching a new thing or between, between the things, what has helped you get sort of unstuck? So right now I am trying to keep a beginner's mind frame or mindset as long as I possibly can, which is saying I am still learning, like letting myself off the hook. Mm -hmm. So like now when I do a newsletter or I do a little Instagram thing, I just see it as like a checkbox of like, I did my promotion for the week and it doesn't matter if it got liked or shared. It's none of that matters. It's like the keeping going, the staying curious and the keeping learning. Um, you know, people are like, so is your business taking off? I'm like, you know, it's a slow build. And that's exactly what I want because I don't want to like be, have this like deluge of work. And then I'm still a beginner and I'm still learning. Like I want time to learn from my mistakes and to hone my own skills and craft. And that's why like, I'm not doing speaking gigs. I'm not writing a book. Like this is a learning time for me. Mm -hmm. And it's really engaging my curiosity. And that's one of the best things you can do for your well-being. If you can find a way to genuinely be curious and excited about something, it's just like gold. 
Oh, Stace, are you taking this into yes. your heart? Yes. Uh, as am. someone who beats herself up for, I should be so awesome at Instagram. I should be on oh, top of this. I should be. No. A, we, and we talk about this with all the guests on our show, but absorbing it into your own being is different than like, oh, I totally support you and your healthy, sane practice. Yes. I'm not going to not, it's not, it's not for me though. <laughs> I would rather continue to. Right. Um, right. Well, we all have our own, you know, things work and become real in their own time. And we, and not until we're ready and not until we're willing to hear it. And I can be really stubborn. People can give me really good advice. And then it takes me a long time to listen and and take it in. You just Mm -hmm. can't rush it. It's kind of nice that there aren't a lot of eyes on you you in in the beginning when you're learning, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I don't, I'm not interested in pretending you know, I think so much of it is not really about other eyes. Mm. Like it's what we tell ourselves. And I am just so much more interested. And I have always said to myself, I don't need to be an expert. I have something to share. Mm. And like these positive psychology tools are so helpful to me that I'm just eager to share them. So that motivates me to want to get clients. You know, yes, I'm also motivated by money as well. Like I also need and want to make money. but the whole, I really see the hollowness of popularity. And I think because I've been on the book journey before, I see how that benchmark just keeps getting higher and higher. You get the book deal, you're excited. You know, you get, if you're not on a bestseller list, ugh. if you don't get good reviews, ugh. if you don't get, you, there's just so many ways that you can make it crushing for yourself. And um, that applies to, like any and all sort of goals, whatever they are. And if you can just like learn to place your hand on your heart and say like, Anne, talk to yourself in the third person when no one else is listening and say <laughs> like, this, like this helps me feel my feelings and acknowledge the situation. Be like, you are really disappointed and you really wanted that. And like just sitting with that for a minute. I used to just be aware of my feelings and just jump on to like, and then I just got to jump into the next one. And it's like, there's a lot of that message. Just like, keep going. You know, if you're going to succeed, you got to just keep grinding it out. And it's like, maybe. And also like, am I really living where my strengths are? Cause my, I have these talents, but my strengths is what we are doing right now. Love, kindness, humility, connection, right? This is ease for me. Those other things, they do not bring me ease and they're not particularly good for my well-being. And I won't stop doing them, but my approach is changing. You know, I think we talk so much about what brings you joy, but ease really gets overlooked. Oh, ease. And, and really like, what would it feel like to constantly live in joy? Like talk That's about- That's not a realistic, yeah. Nobody no. lives constantly in joy. No. I mean- Positive psychology is Buddhism. I mean, nothing's new. I mean, it honors baseline. It's to be a humanist to suffer um, to some extent or to great extent. And some of the people who suffer most in the world have a much better well-being than some people who are leaving the easiest lives ever. So there are there are tools and there are ways to improve your life. And like there's a there's such a gamut of positive emotions. And there's this um, slide I have from the program I took that it's like serenity. Um, like you said, joy is like easy to pinpoint as what happiness is, but there's awe. There's um, all these different colors. And when you're not feeling good, sometimes it's a little easier to pivot into like, I'm really sad, but I can find some serenity if I put on some meditation music and that'll be really good for me. Like I can't leap up to joy, right? No way. This has just made me think so much about um, th- that striving. Like I remember when I, all I wanted was to become a HuffPost blogger, yeah. and when I finally yeah. got that, I really thought my life was going to change. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like, oh well, they shared this one, but they didn't share that one. Well, that went viral. Oh, now I'm never going to go viral. Like, you if just, there's no end to it. No, there's no end to there's it. There's no end to it, and I. I saw a woman that I know, I know a lot of authors, obviously, but there's a, an author that I know who had, she was prolific. She wrote probably a dozen manuscripts before she finally got published. 
And I saw a comment that she made um, in a book group, just how her experience of publishing was a nightmare or made her miserable from beginning to end. And that made me so sad. And I just was like, I don't, I don't want that to be my experience of striving. Uh And it's been real for me too. I, I mean, I related to it too. And I, I changed that narrative. Like I definitely got caught up in like, you know, there were really huge, uh, aspirations for the listen to your mother book. And it sold like, you know, three, 4,000 copies, which some books never see, but that was a failure for what they were hoping. And I carried that like a lead weight in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was like, I'm so glad that book exists. And I feel like it beautifully represents that project. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, that's how I feel about it now. And that was a conscious shift. And like, I am done. There's nothing I can do. That's the other thing too, is like so much of everything is so far beyond our control, especially right now in the world. There's so much pain. There's so much fear. And like, what can I control? And, and what I can control is like honest gratitude that that book exists. And I felt so lucky that it even happened, right. but that took time. You, yeah. you know, I didn't just jump there. I had to go through those feelings of insecurity and self-doubt. You know, what I love is I feel like we don't even need to ask the question about giving advice to moms with dreams and goals, because what you've said, rather than the like hustle, 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 it's the lighthouses of find your why and what brings you ease. Like what a refreshing guidepost system. Yeah. So everybody... Everybody can go to via, V-I-A, character.org. It's values and actions. Take a free 15 minute assessment and it will show you everyone has 24 character strengths and it will rank them for you. And don't get sad which one's on the bottom. It just means that that one's like, you still have it. It's just harder to, harder to access. But those top like five or 10, but especially five, that's where you're going to find ease. And I didn't know that until I saw it. It's really illuminating. And I use this with all my clients. And that's when I got to see, oh, like the, the theater performing side of me, those are talents I have that sometimes bring me joy, but that is not where I find ease. And that's why I was in despair when the book didn't sell. Mm-hmm. And it just was this aha moment of like, I have an amazing life. Why am I living in despair? Right. I am not going to do that again. I mean, so, whatever, but you know what I'm saying? Like now I, now I understand, like, it's not worth, it's not worth, I'm not putting myself through that again. I can tell you that much. Say that website for us again, and we'll link to it in a blog yeah, post. I think it's via character.org. Okay. Well, VIA. We'll yeah. What a great resource. Everything you said is exactly what I needed to hear. Like Good. You- I think this is so relevant today, like this advice because of social media. Yes. We put so much weight on popularity. I always yes. use a, a theater girl. So like popular from Wicked, do you know that song? Yeah. Oh, of course. It plays yeah. in my head all the time when I'm on Instagram, like popular. The funny thing about that is song is it is a farce. She's ridiculous. Like, right. you know, I know, right. That, but that's why it's ironic. Yes. yes. Yeah, this yeah, has I been mean, like a gold mine. Yeah. Oh my God. We should tell them at the beginning, grab your notebooks. And do you have any last words for our listeners? These are mothers who are looking for their passions mm. outside of motherhood. Do you, anything you wanted to add? I, my best advice is to take that assessment via strengths and look at your strengths and to try to find a place where you can use your strengths and live in your strengths because there's all sorts of evidence that using those strengths will bring you ease, will improve your well-being. That's my best advice, really. And in terms of like being a human in this world right now, connecting with people that you love and trust, and um, just remembering like this is the only world we have, and this is your life, and um, there's there is so much suffering, and there always has been. And even those who are suffering are finding moments of connection and joy. And some of the people who have suffered the most bring the most light to our world. Um, So these are things I'm telling myself to get through. And 
my heart is with you people with little children. It is a, a very hard ride. <laughs> Amazing, humbling, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell, tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh, listen, lifecoaching.com. Great. Yeah. Oh, I can't thank you enough. This has been like, I feel like I need to go have like a happy cry and go cry. Know? Crying so good. Go cry. Feel I thought feelings. you were going to cry multiple times throughout the interview. Me? Me? I, yeah. I know. That's so unlike me. But um, I feel super connected to my heart because of this conversation. Um, so thank you. And the more I talk about this stuff, the more I learn. I need a lot of repetition to get things in this head. Right. So this is helpful right. for me too. Good. I know. Don't you feel like that? Like we, like the, it truly yes. is this symbiosis yeah. of we're all learning yes. together and yeah. Uh, Anne, thank you for giving us an hour plus yes. of your life yes. on a Friday so morning. And Stacy, it was so nice to meet you too. Nice I'm, to meet I, you too. Yeah. Have okay. a beautiful weekend. Take care. Anne. You thank too. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast. We cannot believe how many people out there are listening and loving our message. It's honestly a total, it's a dream come true for me and Steph. And we are just so grateful for all of you and for your views and comments and emails. And we wanted to make something for you to thank you and keep the momentum going. It's called the permission slip. As in, you have permission to pursue acting. You have permission to pursue writing. You have permission to pursue hot air ballooning if that's your thing. This guide is to help you find the other side of your plus. In it, we will help you dive into who you were before you became a mom and in turn, plan out the woman you want to become now that you are. It's so good, guys. We spent so much time on this. It's got everything you need to know to get your wheels turning. And most importantly, it also gives you practical steps you need to take to actually pursue your passions, even if you still have kids in diapers. All of this is available to you for free. You just have to visit motherplusser.com forward slash permission hyphen slip. That's motherplusser.com forward slash permission hyphen slip to download it. We hope that just by taking this one little step for yourself, it will put you on the path to find the thing that lights you up again. Go get it, Mother Plusers. We'll see you next time.